Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. Okay, as I mentioned in the first episode this week, some exciting changes, and that is that I will be doing a second episode per week through March. If it works out well, then I will likely remain um, on this new schedule twice a week. I'm going to be working on offering more support and information for parents, not just about the parenting side, but to address parents' needs and goals and wants as individuals as well, working on that balance between parenthood and personhood. I also want to take a moment and I want to say thank you so much to all of you, listeners, those who support our sponsors, members, those who have joined the community on an even deeper level, the members who have joined the Facebook group, they join the parent chats with me and the other parents, those who have come to me for coaching. I am so grateful that the work that means the world to me, helping parents build strong relationships with their children in order to help their children feel loved and supported so that their children can go out and make the world an even better place because they have the confidence to let their inner light shine through. I am so grateful to all of you for that. Because of your support, the podcast is growing and my website is growing, and this dream I've had for the past couple of years of being able to buy my own house, set up my own household, is on the horizon. I should be able to start looking in about a year, and that's really exciting. It's been really nice to stay so connected as co-parents and as a family through the pandemic and through the move, and so that's also why it's really good that I will be staying in the same household for a while longer while their kids settle into their new lives in San Diego. But I also can see this new chapter coming, and it's a little bittersweet, but the boys are sharing a room right now, and with the oldest already in puberty, he'll be wanting his own space back again soon, I'm sure. So thank you all again for all of your support, for allowing me to do what I love and make a living at it, to feel like I'm making a difference now and for generations of families to come. So today I'm going to discuss a tool that may sound really strange at first, but hear me out. It really does work well and it does have its place. It's one I've never talked about before, and that is make your default answer a yes. Now, I alluded to this a few weeks ago when I talked about power struggles, backing ourselves into a corner with power struggles, how oftentimes we automatically jump to maintaining our strict boundaries and rules. If we allow too much wiggle room, we might be inviting a debate over every little thing. And while that's definitely a possibility, I'm going to give some tips and guidelines on how and when to deploy this technique. We each likely have our solid rules in our homes that we set, given our children's specific ages, their temperaments, that we feel are fair and important. And this again goes back to that episode, I think it was last week, on getting backed into a corner. So for example, at any age, under the age of six or seven, 
bedtimes are pretty solidly set. We set that as a pretty strong boundary for a reason. If a four-year-old wants to stay up and play for another 30 minutes, the answer is likely an automatic no. Keeping those solid bedtimes, other than maybe a rare holiday or a vacation travel or something like that, we really do our best to keep really solid boundaries around bedtime to set up really good habits for a lifetime. They want to eat a cracker right before dinner and it's being served in five or 10 minutes. That's most times probably an easy solid no in most cases. But what about your eight-year-old who's been getting up easily in the mornings, wants to push the bedtime? What about the six-year-old who wants to have a friend spend the night on Saturday? What about the three-year-old who wants to try to climb the steep rocky hill at the playground? Or the kid who wants to go for ice cream after dinner tonight? or the teen who wants to pierce her upper ear or get a small tattoo. In a lot of instances, we parents jump right to no, right off the bat without even thinking for a split second about what if. A lot of times I think, well for me, I'm automatically jump to no because I'm tired or I'm busy or I can't be bothered to think a scenario through. I automatically have in my head that something is too dangerous or they're too young to make that decision or we don't have time to accommodate. And so we automatically say no, and I'm definitely guilty of this. So I want to challenge parents that when it is outside of those important boundaries and rules that we have set for safety and health, like bedtimes or eating something right before dinner, that they're going to fill up and not be hungry for their actual dinner, to stop and take a moment and consider a yes or a maybe in your mind first and how that might play out. What if you asked your three-year-old about climbing that hill? Which direction would you go? What happens if you get halfway up and you get stuck and you don't know how to continue either up or to get back down? What if you asked your 16-year-old about that tattoo and their thoughts about it before jumping right to a no? Where would you get it? Meaning on their body, not what shop, but maybe that's a question too. What do you want to get? What does this mean to you? What does it symbolize for you? How do you think you'll feel about it next year, in five years, in 10 years? How much will it cost? Is this something that's worth spending your money on right now? Now, just as an aside, I've actually decided to get another tattoo after this whole pandemic is over. I have two small ones right now. One is from my Ironman race that I did, oh my gosh, 20 years, almost 20 years ago on my right ankle. I also have a dolphin I got at age 26 on my belly. Probably really needs to be touched up. But as adults, we can think this all through. We think these things through. But giving your teen a chance to think it through and give thoughtful answers, then an automatic no might become a maybe. It might turn into something more of a discussion. Something like, okay, I want you to think about it for another couple of weeks and let's talk about it again. Let's just say they answer all those questions really well and really thoughtfully. You want them to think about another couple weeks, maybe a month. Talk about it again. Have them sit on the decision and if they really still want it and they give really good answers, perhaps that maybe turns into a yes. But even if it stays a no or it stays a maybe or it stays undecided for now, You you can tell them, I think this is something you may not fully understand yet. You might regret in a year. Let's keep the discussion open. But for right now, I think it's best that you wait. Especially, let's say they want something that's, um, you know, just a current trend in some sort of game or something that they're into. Might not be the best choice because in a year they're not going to be into that or may not be into that. May not be something they want to keep long term. 
But if it has something to do with a grandparent that they lost or, um, you know, a friend that they lost to suicide or any number of things, it may be, there may be a, a more compelling reason that this is something that is really important to them, that they feel has transformed them as a person and they may want to, they may want to commemorate that in a more permanent way. They may want to infiltrate that life lesson in that particular way. Um, they know you've put thought into it, that you've not just jumped right to a no without even hearing them out. So that can also make it an easier conversation and an easier transition. Now, what if your 10-year-old wants to walk to the store by himself? Now, we had this discussion many times, actually. Um, we had a store just a few minutes away. It was just down the hill. Um, it wasn't my son that I didn't trust. It was other people, of course. Like, we all have that little bit of concern. But he didn't have to cross any streets, even let alone any major streets. It was actually closer than his school. Um, he had a watch where I could track him. It's a GPS watch. I could track him going the whole way there and the whole way back. He had to call me when he got there, and he had to call me when he was leaving. So we allowed it. He loved it. He was perfectly mature enough to handle it. It helped him practice some independence. He would even call sometimes and ask me if he could stop at the store for a donut. It was right next to the grocery store, and he would ask if he could stop for a donut. Sometimes I would tell him yes and sometimes no, but I love that he actually called me. Um, because he could have just gotten a donut, eaten it, and I would not have been any the wiser. But he made very good decisions. He acted very responsibly. It increased my trust in him to make good decisions and handle himself well when he was on his own in public. It was a really great experience for us both as parents and for our child. So if you just stop to think about it a little bit before you answer in your head, what if I say yes? What if I say, tell me more? Or what if I inquire? What will I learn about my child? Have they really thought about it? Will this help them to learn how to think about things deeper, about their choices and decisions before coming to me? Could it be a good dialogue that we could actually have together? Maybe this will even increase our connection. Now, you may find that you're able to minimize power struggles this way. Kids often have reasons, sometimes they're good reasons, and they're well thought out, and sometimes they're not. But you learn, and they learn, and you may find that they were ready for something you didn't know that they were. And you just saved yourself a huge power struggle over something they were really ready for, and they were ready to really fight for it. You were ready to put your foot down hard, and you really didn't need to. So... Just being open to saying yes off the bat, making that your default answer, at least in your head at first, working your way through the scenario a little bit, may be a really good tool to circumventing some power struggles, especially as they get older, into those later elementary, into the tween and teen years. It's a really great thing to open up those discussions. So next, I'm going to talk about parents' and children's personalities how we can gel or how we can rub against each other. We'll talk about the different aspects of the personality traits. These will be several areas from the temperament class, how the differences can often lead to some struggles, how recognizing differences is important so that we can first obviously recognize them, then try to understand them so we can minimize the disagreements or ways of approaching life or problems. So instead we can allow our children to leverage their strengths and help them with their struggles, rather than assuming that they should approach everything the same way that we do. I'm also going to talk about temperament from the earliest days in terms of high-needs babies and how this can be particularly difficult for parents 
Then I'm gonna talk about some tips and tools if you do have a high needs baby or and or a high needs toddler at this point and you're trying to work through that time in life because it can be extremely difficult, I'm gonna get into this right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, let's get into some traits of temperament, how some of them can really showcase differences between parents and children and how we first recognize those differences and then how we can understand and bridge them. So I'm going to start with the high needs babies or high needs toddlers. If you have a high knee baby, or you think you have one, or you had one and they're now a toddler, because the traits will carry through, you will recognize the signs right away, and it may bring a whole new level of awareness, understanding, bring some relief to just understanding that that's what's happening, along with some tools for working with this. So my oldest was a high knees baby, but I did not realize it at the time because he was my first baby. Now, I remember um, people telling me, because they saw the pictures from when he was born, wow, he is really alert. And I was like, 
okay, if you say so, <laughs> I didn't really know the difference. But we look at those pictures and this kid came out of the womb, eyes wide open. He would never sleep unless he was held. Um, my husband and I went to, we tried to go out to eat with him when he was a baby and he would just scream and cry. You could not leave him in the carrier um, or in the uh, baby seat, in that car seat at all. Um, you had to hold him. So if we took him out to a restaurant, we would have to hold him while we ate. Um, I remember going out to eat. We finally got a sitter. I'm sure it was a family member. And we were at a restaurant and there was a couple next to us and they had a, a newborn sound asleep in the car seat. And I was just like, what is their secret? I thought there was some secret. It wasn't a secret. It was just a different baby. I also remember trying to just put him down just to go to the bathroom or make a sandwich. He would scream until I came back to get him. Driving in the car was a nightmare. He would scream for the entire ride and I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. Finally, I, and this was just, I had to go to the grocery store or I had to go to the doctor. Finally, I had to just tell myself that he was fine. He was safe in the car, but it was really hard to listen to the screaming while I was driving. But he was safe in his car seat. We just had to get where we were going. But I found myself staying home more and more and isolating a lot. Only going out on necessary trips, like I said, doctor's appointments and grocery shopping. So as you can deduce, high needs babies are those that seem to need their caregiver's intervention almost 24-7. They are rarely quiet or content when they're put down. A high needs baby tends to fall on the extreme side of these following temperament traits. Now there's nine that I cover in the class, but these are the ones that a high needs baby will fall on the high end of for most or all of these. They are intense. Intensity is the level of emotional expression. They're highly active, which is just what it sounds like. They are low in adaptability, which is the ease or difficulty that they have with changes. They're highly sensitive, which is the amount of reaction to physical stimuli such as noise, lighting, and touch. They're low in rhythmicity, which is their predictability of their daily patterns in sleeping, eating, and eliminating. So this means they're not predictable. They don't have predictable patterns. They also have a realistic, what we sometimes call negative mood. You will see how these and which of these persist as your baby ages. Most of them will stay. Our temperament is our temperament and stays with us throughout life, but we can work on it. We can stretch it. And that's what I cover in the temperament class, how we stretch out those temperament types to make them a little more adaptable if they're less adaptable, a little less sensitive, a little less intense, a little less lower in activity. Work on them with their rhythmicity to get a little more consistent with daily patterns and helping them accept that. So our oldest definitely falls into most of these. He is more adaptable, but otherwise he falls under all the rest. We also got him to be more rhythmic, especially with the sleeping patterns. The rest of the stuff, if we weren't there to have meals ready at certain times of day, he probably would just sort of eat throughout the day. But with the rest of it, he definitely falls right in line, especially with the realistic mood. While he's not an unhappy child or a grumpy child most of the time, he can definitely see the negative in situations quite easily. And, it, and it's something we work on quite regularly, is helping him find gratitude in situations. Now, a high needs baby is different than colic. Colic is only in the evenings and it starts around ages two to four weeks. It peaks at six to eight weeks and ends around three to four months. This is only the afternoon. A high needs baby is 
constant. Starts from day one, it's all day and night and can be very overwhelming. So I'm gonna talk about what you can do if you have a high needs baby and even if you're now recognizing that you had a high needs baby and now this is your toddler, preschool, or even your child, these tips can be helpful in managing this mix of temperament types in the toddler and preschool years. I'm gonna talk about this with older children after we talk about the younger kids because these struggles early on do turn into positives later. So I'm gonna talk about how you can get that into a positive um, spin later on. Okay, having a baby or toddler with high needs can have a big effect on the parent-child relationship. For obvious reasons, high needs babies are vulnerable to poor parenting. Parents can be isolated, it's exhausting, it can be overwhelming. So if you have a toddler or baby with high needs, here are some things that you're gonna wanna do. Set up a support system to get some breaks. Now this is something I was not really able to do outside of my partner. But if you have that, if you have a parent, if you have some friends you can trade with, work out a support system. If you're alone and you're overwhelmed in the moment, it's okay to put your baby down, walk away for a few minutes to regroup. The same with a toddler or a young child. It's okay to say, I need a break for a minute and get away. So long as they're kept safely in a toddler-proof space, you can step away. Go to the bathroom, lock the door. You can even take a quick shower if you need to. It can cut out the noise or just take a few minutes, even if they're crying outside the door, so long as you know they're safe. Take a minute, remove yourself from feeling responsible for their upset. You are not responsible for that. This is a skill they will need to learn, and they will, through time and through working with them. But right now, give yourself permission to feel overwhelmed. Take a few minutes to regroup. Another thing you can do is go baby or toddler carrier shopping. Find one that works best for you and wear your baby as much as you can. If you have a toddler who is needy and clingy and constantly wants to be with you, you can find a carrier that is comfortable to wear and carry a toddler. I know they have some really great ones now. They had some great ones coming out right about the time my toddlers were toddlers and getting outgrowing those, but they were some great ones that I'm sure now it's been you know, 10 years for my oldest, so I'm sure there's even some newer technology, newer carriers that are even better. So if your body can handle it, if you can find the right carrier that fits your body, that you can manage their weight, um, wear your toddler when you can. This will help them regulate their energy and their emotions so long as you're calm. So if you're making dinner, you're doing chores around the house, um, you're going out for a walk, you're running some errands at the store, you could wear them. You can get a lot more done. They will feel peaceful and content being next to you, regulating off of you. It will help them do this earlier and better so that they can become more independent, but put them down when you need to. You're not meant to break your body just to keep them happy. That's not what this is about. If you can do it, if you're comfortable doing it, do it when you can. If you need to put them down, you can put them down. Also know this will not last forever. It feels like a lot right now, but it does get better. So one of the things you can do is you can create a mantra that works for you. This won't last forever. My baby is beautiful. They won't remember any of this. My baby is full of potential. Whatever works for you. Make a plan with your partner if you have a parenting partner or a spouse. How you're going to deal with this. How you can get the support that you need, especially if you are the primary caregiver. Work out something so you can get some relief from this because it is very overwhelming. I do remember this very clearly. 
Overall, don't allow the intensity of your child's needs to affect the attachment process when you can of the parent-child bond. You will get through this. Take care of your baby as best you can. Get support to take care of yourself. And you will be rewarded with an amazing relationship and watching your child blossom in ways you never could have imagined. And I know you've all heard me talk about all of my children and about my oldest son, Carter, who now just turned 12. You all know what an amazing person I see he is and his potential that shows up more and more every day. This boy is one of the most independent, responsible, intelligent, dynamic, silly, creative, sensitive, caring, hardworking kids I have ever known. He tells me constantly that he loves me. After getting through the rough patches of infancy, getting the sleep issues fixed, working through the bumps that we have here and there, he is, in many aspects, very easy to parent. At five, he loved outer space. He knew what a nebula was, and he could name 30 different ones. He was great at sharing early on, great at communicating. He was always concerned about fairness and other people's feelings, especially his friends in school and his siblings. He was always looking out for people. He's intense. He's intense with his emotions. He's intense about swim and competition. He can be a bit negative, as I mentioned. So we have those bumps from time to time, but overall, he's just an incredible human, and it's amazing to watch him blossom. So know that things do and will get better. With setting a solid foundation of connection and communication through positive discipline, through the attachment process in infancy. So if you have a baby with high needs, if you have a toddler who's super high needs still, know that it will not last forever and that your baby is full of amazing potential that will blossom with your care and your attention, but also that you have needs too and it's okay to step away and take a little care for yourself and find a plan and a way and try not to feel guilty about having that need to do that. So I didn't realize that sharing about high needs babies and children would take me so long to do that today, but I wanted to be sure to really cover this topic well because I do remember just how difficult those days were. That time period with a baby or toddler with high needs, it's really tough those first few years. So next time I'm gonna dig more into temperament, our own temperament, our children's temperament, and those particular traits where they differ can create a real rub, how we can create a bridge for those outside of what I just shared about high needs babies and toddlers and children that how we can do that for the best relationship outcomes for everyone, our children and for us. Um, oh, and I didn't, uh, I did go a little bit into older children. I want to talk about that really quickly. So the, the tools for older children is, you know, if you take care of this and set this foundation when they're younger, by the time they hit early elementary school, they actually become very easy to parent. But if you're finding you missed some steps in there when they were younger, and so you're finding that you still have a high needs child and they're difficult, you're going to want to really get in there and set that solid foundation with some good solid boundaries and rules, good positive discipline where you're there to um, set some good rules with both firmness, but with love and kindness, and they will become super amazing, super independent, um, and allowing you will know when they have the tools to be independent and to really shine in their independence, and you're going to help them get there. So the positive discipline tools are really going to help your child shine with that. If you're interested in learning more about temperament, positive discipline, or any of the 60 parenting classes, visit the website at yourvillageonline.com. 
If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.